Without the ones like you, who work tirelessly to keep things running, everything would suddenly stop. Hospitals, factories, schools, and power plants, they all depend on you. No matter the weather, emergency, or time of day, you're the ones who get it done. At Granger, we're here for you. With professional-grade industrial supplies, count on real-time product availability and fast delivery. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. Welcome to the Roma Press Podcast with Jun Solano and Andy Mattioli. Hello, everybody. Welcome back to another episode of the Roma Press Podcast. I hope that you are doing well and staying safe. We have an absolutely packed episode today. So first, we welcomed back Fat Talti onto the podcast. We discussed a variety of topics. Then we have a new segment that is sport betting and gambling themed. And then finally, Andy and myself, we do our usual. We discuss the victory over Braga, the Europa League draw, preview the match against Milan. So a lot going on in this episode. I've had to re-record this introduction three times because of some news that has come out. And shame on me for not getting this out quick enough because I somewhat expected this because my, my legal source from the Friedkin Group took part in the board of directors meeting uh, that took place today. So I should have planned this much better. So the first is Roma CEO Guido Fienga. Depending upon when you're listening to this, this news may or may not have already been announced. But nonetheless, his two-year contract renewal was ratified and approved by the board of directors. And then Roma's board also announced that they are going to scrap the current version of the Stadio della Roma. Really, this isn't a surprise. There will be something on the website shortly with details behind this and what the plan for the stadium is moving forward. So without any further ado, let me bring Fat Totti on. And then we will have the new gambling and sports betting segment. Very brief, only five to seven minutes. And then Andy will be back on. Very quickly, thank you to our two newest patrons over at Patreon, Drew Meyer and Anda Rosing. Thank you both so, so much for your support. Thank you, as always, to our current patrons over at Patreon. You guys make all of this possible. It is greatly appreciated. It allows us to continue doing what we do here. So thank you once again. All right, let's get this rolling now. Here's Fat Totti first. Okay, here with Luke. Most of you may know him as Fat Totti from Twitter. So, Luke, before we get into everything, I have to say, this season following you on Twitter has been a, a, a bit of a roller coaster. Beginning of the season, you're not that thrilled. You know, you're a little, a little down on the team, not that enthused by Fonseca and his football now. Um, I see you as the the leader, the the couple of the Fonseca Inc. Club. So what a wild ride this has been for you over the last four to five months. What what has changed for you? Enlighten us. <laughs> yeah, fair to say at the what, uh, September, October part of the season wasn't the most positive about the team and stuff. It, I think most of it just came from... Uh, the struggle of the uh, I think the Europa League the severe of how the last 
two months of that season was really built up just to that game and then how that game ended and then with that. And then the start of the season, it was it was all right. But I think we, I think everyone would say from our performances from September and October compared to how they were November, December, January and February now, light years apart in the sense that we played a much more entertaining side of football and we're actually getting consistent results in the pattern of them. But, uh, yeah, it's, with Fonseca, it's always been... He's always been someone I've, I've liked and like watching his uh, Shakhtar team and stuff. So when he joined, excited for it. And then I think it was just the way the team changed from that. It just seemed like arguably the team was losing its way and then with the owner change that maybe it was a bit of going to just be another season of uh, just get uh, get to uh, the end of the season and then something new will happen. But thankfully it's been completely different to what I was thinking in, in October time and it's delightful to see where we are now and what we're playing. I think also, I think the majority of my problems would have been uh, with the uh, with some of the players in the team and the squad, especially like the elder, the elder lot. I'm not a fan of in general in football, but players like Mkhitaryan have stepped up massively and proved me wrong. So I'm happy to admit I'll happily be proved wrong in the case of Roma. But yeah, yeah. So I wanted to go there last time you were on. You were expressing some, not doubts, but you weren't exactly enthralled by the prospect of Pedro, McDarian, Jekyll. Of course, you have three mid-30-year-olds. That's not going to excite too many people. So I could understand from that point of view. But I guess the most interesting thing, at least for me this season, has been how Roma have essentially made up for the lack of productivity that they've received from Jekyll. And I, I think one of the positives that you can at least take away from this Roma right now, at least, is you've had a Jekyll who has played very little part uh, in the grand scheme of things to date. You could look at it two ways. Well, one, if he does, uh, if he does turn things on, ramp up his level a little bit in these last few months, uh, Roma can maybe get, you know, a little more than what they expected. They're obviously already punching above their weight, but if Giacomo starts, again, uh, producing more, maybe we can get a little higher up the table. I don't think anybody would have expected third position at this point. I think we're all shocked. But where are you with before we get into like the grander scheme of the club, where are you with some of these individual guys like Jekyll, Paolo Lopez? I know ever since Pinto came, you've been, you've been putting on your, uh, your scouting hat, and I've been seeing you throw out these names. Admittedly, some of these guys, I have, no, I have no clue who in the world they are, but are there guys that you have your eye on who could potentially replace the likes of Jekyll or, again, Paolo Lopez? This summer, I would say that striker and, and goalkeeper are probably the two things that we can almost guarantee will change. Yeah, definitely. I think, I think looking at their team, looking at this team currently, if if Freakins are able to 
guarantee that the uh, the core of the team and none of the stars will be sold. I've, I'm struggling to believe that if we could add a top goalkeeper and a top Jekko replacement, we generally could be looking at a team that's definitely top four and then maybe pushing her into uh, if they have another season like this one. But yeah, as you said, it's with football and stuff, the kind of thing that I've always enjoyed doing is uh, like a little scouting or I watch too much football probably <laughs> based on like all different leagues and stuff. And it's what I, I thought enjoy. you were going to say that you did it so you didn't have to watch Spurs um, because... <laughs> no, I'm not watching that at the moment with Mourinho. It's interesting that you support those two teams because you have two Portuguese managers both of which are on completely different ends of the aesthetics of football spectrum. Yeah, I think. Well, 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 well fortunately, we've got the one at Roma that I'd, that I'd defend uh, like he's a family member. And then I've got yeah. then I've got Mourinho at Spurs that I'd rather, I'd rather Di Francesco take over there than I have to see his face. But mm. yeah, but like, as, as you were saying, I've, I recently did like a little thread on uh, uh, goalkeepers and I like looked at like Paolo Pen and why Petraki might have signed him and then I also just like dived into Syria goalkeepers and I think the two obvious options that everyone's been saying is either Moose or Cranio and I think looking at them two I think either of them two would be what could potentially take us to that next level of I'd, I'd go as far as saying if we had either of them two this season, I'd be 99.9% confident of us getting top four. Um, and then they'd both be expensive, yeah. Musso, you'd say, if like we've into looking at him, you'd be looking at maybe like 30 mil. And then depending off depending on Cagliari, if they get relegated, they could have Cranio for about 20 mil. So. I'd happily take either of them and then also we don't know the project or the type of buys the Pinto will be doing this summer. So we might just go for some completely different, cheaper option, foreign option. But hopefully they get, we get it right this time compared to Olsen and Lopez. And then you've got who we, what we do to replace Jekko because I'd imagine with... Fonseca's stating that he definitely will go in the summer. And then it's who who do we go for? Do we trust Mayoral as a as the main one and then look for someone or do we go for what I'd probably advise is looking for someone young as well, but maybe on a similar level to Mayoral or on a par and those two those two battling it out with each other should hopefully raise the level of the two and then we could have for the first time really since I've been watching, could have two strikers on an even playing field and then hopefully together they'd be able to score 20 goals instead of maybe just one aiming for 20. So as far as some of the individuals beyond Jekyll, Paulo Lopez that we think will remain, who are the ones that have been pleasantly surprising to you? I would assume Gonzalo Villar is near the top of the list, yeah? Yeah, with him it was... It was like looking at a signing a what, 20, because you forget how uh, old he is. He's only a year right. younger than Diawara. And right. that's, that's like 
surprising because we're, we've been anyone that follows Serie A been used to Diawara for what five years now since his Bologna days, and then VR just popped out of the Spanish second division and it does have quite a baby face and so I think people do think he's maybe nine does look like nineteen twenty but yeah he's been a revelation this year took him with the pandemic it confuses all the time it's a bit but really took a nine nine ten months or so to settle in and he's he's starting big games now when he's making a difference and he's the kind of midfielder that I enjoy watching and the kind of signing but I think picking up a player for him for that cheap and stuff is a model of what can be done with good recruitment and then you also you're looking at probably the one that deserves uh, the greatest respect for what he's done this season is uh, Karlsdorp no Mm -hmm. one no one would have expected him to it's not even the, the amazing thing about him isn't even his performances. Firstly, it's staying fit and playing over one thousand five hundred minutes. So we've had him for three seasons. Two yeah, I couldn't that. believe that. Yeah, he gave a lengthy interview the other day, and he mentioned that it was uh, three years. He's going uh, just the fact that they were discussing a contract with Newell. I had to go back and look, and, and you forget that. I mean, he was here during uh, the Champions League run uh, of 2018, which that in and of itself seems like ancient history. But it, it is uh, it is very curious that finally, after all this time, he's finally starting to deliver. For guys like that, uh, ones that maybe we can consider, what's the word? Um like reclamation yeah reclamation projects um are they guys you can count on though that is my that is my worry because if we're just simply going by track record if you just laid out the numbers on a sheet of paper and you said should you be depending on this guy when it comes down to somebody like Karsdorp you would say of course not um we're also starting to see the likes of Perez develop, um, I'll call it Clivert brain. When he comes on, he just, when he gets near the opponent, the opponent's area, his brain just starts to uh, fry. And then we have Smalling. I know you weren't a big supporter of that deal. He's been having injury problems galore this season. So it is interesting that... uh, the ones that maybe you could have counted on previously really aren't playing a factor. And then on the other side of it, you have people like VR who really wasn't factored in. I, I can't imagine that many considered him in the summer, at least an integral priest. You have Cristante, who many probably would have sold at the drop of a hat if given the chance in the summer. Now finds himself in this really weird position where he's almost like Lorenzi, where you need him available simply by the fact that he can play six different roles. So these guys, uh, in some of the names that have stepped up this season, long-term and moving forward, are you comfortable with them having the same level uh, or having, I guess, the same same roles next season where they play a very big part? Like, do you think it would be foolish of Roma to expect the exact same of what we've seen this season moving forward? 
the, the, the world you'd expect. It's it is like with as we were discussing with Carsdale, but I think it's the most obvious example is it will just be with him, I think. Because I think there's no doubt it, the reason we signed him for fifteen mil, he must have quality and he does have quality and net, and finally with the injuries gone and consistency he's been able to show that. So I think with him it just is a matter of if he stays fit and that's a big if and do we gamble on that? Do we gamble on that? We might have to because do we have the luxury to, as we were saying, striker and a goalkeeper, do we have the luxury to then go and strengthen in that position? And then we also have uh, Reynolds coming in as well. So does, does he maybe hope that Castle can keep it up? And then if not, he dipped, we can have Reynolds coming in. But yeah, it's it's, it's one of those of these players are stepping up. And I think for as long as they're, as long as they're performing at this level and don't drop that, like they don't have a Paolo Lopez second half of the season last year, I think we're not at the luxury to just uh, to doubt them. We kind of have to continue with them un- unless we're able to maybe like forecast up if we were able to bring in a top right wing back. Then yeah, I'd understand it. But with how he's been this season and our finances, I don't imagine we'd be able to upgrade them, for example, we'd be more adding quantity and I don't think that's exactly what we need at the moment. Mm, all right, fair enough. Um, that's where we'll leave it. We'll talk with you again in a few weeks, as always, so chat soon. Okay, now our new gambling segment, and then directly after that, Andy will be back on. Tax day is coming. Oh, no. But if you sign up for Robinhood Gold's IRA with a 3% match, you can get up to $195 for the 2023 tax year. Oh, yeah. Sign up at Robinhood.com slash Boost by Tax Day to get the biggest contribution match on the market. Subscription fees apply. Investing involves risk. 3% match requires gold for one year from first match. Must keep IRA for five years. Robinhood Financial LLC, member SIPC. All right, so very excited about this new segment that we will be doing on a weekly basis, and I I think it is something that is probably a bit overdue. Now, I know a lot of you enjoy gambling, enjoy sports betting. To be quite honest with you, I was probably a bit ignorant as to how popular sports betting actually is, but that seems to be within our patron WhatsApp group. That seems to be the, the central theme that we discuss on a daily basis as to who everybody is putting money on, where some interesting bets may be in that particular match day. So in order to sort of fill the appetites of the many of you who I know enjoy sports gambling, particularly on football, we're going to be doing this segment every single week ahead of each match day. I'm going to be joined by Matt Falcona. Now, Matt is not only a wonderful patron himself, but he is the creator of of the Falcona forecast. Now, Matt, you go ahead and explain what this is, but this is merely a program that you created. It's all math and analytics based. It has zero input regarding your personal opinion or feelings about a particular match. This is simply a algorithm that you created that calculates the percentage chance of each team to win. But why don't you go into more detail about this? And very quickly, I just have to add, this isn't sponsored. You do this entirely for free. 
You are not paying us to be on here to promote anything. This is something that you do in your spare time just to make that clear to everybody. So go ahead, Matt. Explain away. What is the Falcona forecast? Well, first of all, thanks for bringing me on. I mean, I'm a longtime listener, longtime follower of your Twitter account and everything. So of course. Um, I really appreciate you bringing me on here and everything to, to kind of share what I've been doing. So the forecast, it, it really started actually as a school project. So I'm a grad student uh, in data science and I had a project and it was a, we could pick any topic we wanted. And I thought I, I like watching the Serie A and I like, you know, creating algorithms and stuff like that. So I did it. And you um, like gambling. The model, Come absolutely. on, you like gambling. Yeah, I like gambling too, you know, like to place a bet. So um, the original model I made absolutely stunk. Like it was like 40%. It was so bad. Uh, but I, I passed the class, so I was good with that. Um, All that matters. Yeah, exactly. So, but then I started to just started improving on it. Um, I'm using different data, like expected goals, um, session, progressive passes, you know, uh, conversion rate, things like that to create this algorithm um, and just basically just spit out the, uh, what, what, like, like the odds, the predicted odds of, um, who's going to win the game, uh, Sunday. So what does the forecast say for Roma against Milan from an analytical point of view? What, what does the forecast yeah, say? So the forecast actually has Milan as just about odds on favorites, about 50% chance of winning the game, which I thought was a little bit surprising given their form. Um, they've got some injuries coming up um and also the the forecast actually has roma power rate uh rated one spot higher than milan mm. um, so i was a little bit surprised i'm not sure what it's looking at there but um the books currently have roma as the favorite um and of course this is a roma podcast i'll never recommend betting against roma we don't <laughs> do that <laughs> so if you want to get in on the action i'm thinking an over Two and a half goals could be the play. I mean, these mm. teams both tend to score a lot of goals, so um, that's what I'm thinking for the for the game. But I I cannot, in good conscience, recommend betting against Roma. That is pretty interesting. But what does the forecast say for some of the other matches that are ongoing this week? So even though it's not giving Roma fantastic odds to to win the match, what does the forecast say for some of Roma's rivals? for the top four in their respective fixtures this weekend. Is there any possibility, at least from an analytical point of view, for some of the others to potentially drop points along the way this weekend? Sure, yeah. So I'm looking at Verona, Juve, and Sampdoria Atalanta. You know, those are two teams that are right next to Roma in the table. I think uh, that Verona and Sampdoria both have a pretty good chance of actually maybe keeping it close, uh, mm. potentially uh, pulling away with a draw here. Um, I know Juve have a ton of injuries and Verona have an elite defense. Um, so I, I kind of like Verona here plus one if you can get it. Um, I wouldn't ever recommend betting against Juve. You're not going to win money that way. But I think Verona can probably keep it close enough that maybe they can uh, squeeze out a draw. Plus, um, Kalinich is hurt. He's out for the game. So we don't have to watch him miss chance after chance. <laughs> um, so no, we were subjected to that enough. Where can everybody find this? Plug it one more time. Yeah, so it's at Falcona Forecast on Twitter. I'll usually be posting just a screenshot of the of the uh, my predictions every single week, uh, probably about a day or two before the game. And then I'll follow it up with a little, a few recommendations here. You know what to what to watch for. Maybe some other bets uh, to place for the weekend. 
Great stuff. Thank you, Matt. Again, we will be doing this every match day. So we will be hearing from you again in just a few days because there is a midweek round following Roma's match uh, on Sunday against Milan. So I look forward to doing this every week. Again, this is something that has been long overdue. I know I, I speak quite often with listeners who I know are placing bets on the match. So very excited to add a brief gambling segment just to give, at least from a data and analytical perspective, what your algorithm is saying uh, for each match day. So we'll chat with you again in a few days, Matt. Thanks again. All right. Andy is here. So Roma, they progress in the Europa League, a competition I know you hold extremely dear to your heart. Extremely. They draw Shakhtar. So Bruno Perez must be reliving the glory days in his mind. So compared to potential other draws, I don't think it's that bad. I'm convinced Jose Mourinho, somebody at UEFA, has a major debt to pay, I guess I should say, to Mourinho because the way he gets these draws from club to club is absolutely unreal. We all know the the run that they had when they defeated Ajax. We talked about that a couple of episodes ago. But it just it seems inevitable that they'll be playing Slovak plumbers for the next two or three rounds. So at some point in Roma, uh, they will have to face an extremely difficult opponent. I, you know, given who the other possibilities could have been, I don't think this draw was that bad. However, another player that I know is extremely popular, Edin Dzeko, literally, what was it, 20 minutes within the draw? 30 minutes? Within the draw being announced, mm -hmm. yeah. we learn that he is going to be out for a minimum of two weeks. Could be longer than that. So he has essentially already been ruled out for the first leg. And if this injury persists for another seven days, it is possible that he misses the entire tie. So given the draw, given the news about Jekko, given yesterday's performance, we haven't even brought that up, but I thought... Given that Roma, um, we can get into the substitutions in a moment here. But I thought over the two legs, I thought that was a very measured, very mature, very professional performance from Roma. Now, I said it in our patron group chat. I, I don't really know what those two legs said because we're talking about a Braga that's performing very well in the Portuguese league. So... Were those two legs more of an indictment on Braga, Roma, the Portuguese league? Is it a little bit of both? I would probably go down that route just because it, it didn't seem like Roma was that impressive individually. But maybe they're just that much better than Braga because that's what their manager said yesterday following the match. Right, but I, I think also that... Uh... Roma were the far superior side, and you know all things considered, this was a good a good tie because it, you know it, it, we played with minimum effort. Um, the, the you know our advancing through was never re put into question by by Braga. Um, they never forced us to do anything that we didn't want to do. Um, and 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 so it was comfortable. It was comfortable. You you know I mean. Normally, you'd you'd get furious about that missed penalty, but uh, you know the team just just flowed. Um, Pellegrini had that assist that sort of compensated for that miss. 
Perez had Perez had a, a goal and a nice pass that led to an assist by Spinazzola in, in the final minute. So, you know, for all that a game like that can count, it was encouraging. Um, definitely a good bounce back from from that Benevento game. And again, it shows you that Roma most of the time know how to approach these games. And and uh, because again, you watch that final, you watch that final goal. Uh, by by Mayoral and even the goal by by Carlos Perez and they all come from really well established team play uh, yes. and the team knows where to find guys and and that was also good to see Carlos Perez finally get into the swing of things and finally not look like a foreign object but yeah. like, you know like a teammate so. That right. was good because um, you need that. You need you need sort of a, a confidence boost from time to time. And, and the goal was great, but I thought that the pass to Spinazzola that sort of sliced through Braga's defense um, was was even better. And um, and now yeah, and now we're you know we're looking at uh, uh, the draw with Shakhtar. Um, we definitely could have done worse, you know. I mean, you look at for sure. I I would I wouldn't even I probably be less confident even if we had drawn like uh, Rangers, you know. Anything that goes to the north and and and, and specifically to the United Kingdom, um, <laughs> not my cup of tea, to be honest. Uh, I and you know this is Shakhtar are a team that, man, if you watch them. Um, against the likes of Inter and and in all that groups they did, they were so inconsistent they they started off great and then there was just absolutely nothing like they they were playing uh terrible football um and and so I don't really know what to expect but definitely this is not the the level of competition that you'd have uh, you know with Tottenham or Arsenal or Manchester United um, so all in all, you know, we could have obviously we could have had some easier teams. I would have loved to see, you know, Granada or Dinamo Kiev, um, just because those are really sort sort of bottom of the barrel stuff. But um, but yeah, and and also this you know this thing with Jeco is is going to be interesting. I mean, obviously. Um, Fonseca clearly did not expect that yesterday when he said, you know, he said, oh, right. this doesn't right. look like anything serious. Well, two weeks and two weeks that are filled with games, um, it's, it's, it, it is pretty serious. And, and so this is going to be interesting to see how the, the team reacts, how they will utilize, um, you know, uh, sort of finding the substitute now for Borja Mayoral because you need somebody. So, Will it be El Sharawi who will play as a false nine, or will it be Mkhitaryan? Uh, play, I mean, in, at least in that department, with with that type of player that we're looking for in order to to substitute for Borja Mayoral in case he gets tired or or whatever. Um, you know, there we, we we have some options up front, so that at least there is in 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 this negative episode of losing Jeko at this crucial point. Um, there is definitely some positive aspect. Without the ones like you who work tirelessly to keep things running, everything would suddenly stop. Hospitals, factories, schools, and power plants, they all depend on you. No matter the weather, emergency, or time of day, you're the ones who get it done. At Granger, we're here for you. 
With professional-grade industrial supplies, count on real-time product availability and fast delivery. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. How much of a piece of art was that El Shaddawi shot, even though it clanged off the, cr- or off the, oh, off yeah. the post? How be- Like, if I could frame those five seconds where he does the action, cuts inside, and does the curler, I cannot tell you how badly Roma have missed that. And even though it didn't find the back of the net, I thought he was incredibly positive yesterday. Do you agree? Because I, I, I think he brings a different element that no other forward in the team possesses. Right. I mean, I you know, for for the 50-whatever minutes it was that he, he offered us, it was good. You know, nothing nothing exceptional. It was good. Uh, he provided some, some, some options up front. Um, he 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 looked he he looked in okay shape. You know, this is a guy who's been sitting on his ass for for the last few months, and um, <laughs> he's back to playing. So that's I mean that's and this is what we got him for. You know, for these types of games, he does that, and then Jekyll gets his goal. Um, and it's not like you know Mikitarian or Pedro haven't shown us that they can't you know shoot from outside the box, but this is always a welcome addition. Um, this is, you know, it's it, it is a reminder that this can, team can be dangerous, even from outside the the, the penalty box, and um, you know, for again, for for this type for this type of, of matches in this stage of the season, where it really you play every three days, you play in different environments, um, on, on on different in different stadiums against teams that you know can give you problems, can sit back. El Sharawi is a player that really adapts fairly easily to to the opponent, and you know he can give you pace. He can get behind. He can even you know slice and dice his way uh, and find his way to the to the net um, just by himself. So that's that's great. That's great to have somebody that you know when when Pedro is not feeling it, and right now he's not really feeling it, or Perez doesn't look like a valid alternative you still have that that guy who's um who's always ready to go and really never uh never wants too much never asks never talks you know if he if you bench him he'll accept it he'll learn from it so i'm just glad to have him back yeah so as for some of the other elements in the match i have to admit and there was a lot of uh, bewilderment among some of the others in the patron group chat as to some of the substitutions that Fonseca made. I was sort of surprised, especially after the first goal, I thought we would see some pretty sweeping changes in the final 45 minutes. I thought, wow, okay, so they're going to win extremely comfortably this entire tie. You get Spinazzola rest, get Mkhitar, you know, rest Mkhitaryan, rest Pellegrini, rest uh, the usual suspects. Maybe even Cristante because he's just coming back from injury. You let him get uh, 45 minutes under his legs and that's it. Were you surprised that Fonseca decided to throw on some of his first choice players, especially given, we'll get into it momentarily here, especially given Sunday's match against Milan? I have to tell you, I was... I was floored, absolutely floored. 
Well, obviously, I'd be lying if I'd say I wasn't surprised. But to me, you know, I mean, I reserve my judgment for the Milan game. So if if the Milan, if in the if we oh, get course, into the Milan course. game with the right attitude, I really could care less um, about you know seeing because I th- I saw some people that took it really personally not to see uh, their favorite Primavera. Um, I don't know defender, um, <laughs> right, right. There are, because there are some names here that you know I I really admire people that are familiar with it because some of these names don't tell me anything and obviously it'd be great to not see you know Mkhitaryan have to play the final what ten fifteen minutes for what you know in order to get injured um, I don't know and Spinazzola uh, again at the fifty third or fifty fifth minute entering and Pellegrini playing a whole half well there. I could understand because it was VR, but still, you know, uh, these are obviously those games where you'd, you'd preferably uh, throw in some Primavera players and then, you know, whatever happens, it's Alberto De Rossi's responsibility. So, um, but yeah, but, you know, all in all, I mean, it's, it is puzzling, but at the same time, uh, I, I mean, I haven't, I have never seen Fonseca really give uh, a youth a chance beside Milanese. And that was in the final playing minutes of... How what? about him? He's gone MIA. Yeah, he's gone MIA, just I mean, like his, Calafiori. His, uh, I th- yeah, I was waiting <laughs> for his face to show up on a milk carton. If, uh, Calafiori, too. I mean, my, yeah. oh, my word. Um, they have yeah. gone completely missing. I, I guess more so, I am surprised because he's he has mentioned it in the previous two to three um, press conferences that he has been uh, speaking at. He has talked about how this is a difficult period. We have to manage the players well. I guess I thought he would be more conservative. I, For me, what what is really the, 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 the reason to put Spinazzola out there? For me, it didn't really serve a purpose. I, I, I'm not criticizing it for that. I, I guess I was just more so floored. With, I, I shouldn't have said floored. I thought he would be more conservative in his approach. Yeah, especially with the Milan game inside, you think that, um, you know, let's, I mean, we we were, you know, what, we were 1-0 up and, and, and sort of wanted wanted to finish. And, and I thought that um, it was a bizarre decision. And again, the the judgment really rests on, on the performance uh, on Sunday because that's really, that's really what it, what it comes down to. Um, I guess that there is also that aspect of he wants to have this team gel as much as possible. But then uh, Mkhitaryan, I think he's like played around uh, what, like almost 300 minutes more than any anybody else. Like yeah, the, the, the it goes he, Ibanez, and then Veritu as yeah. far as minutes played. Yeah, and and I mean that I mean this is you know this is a guy who's really ha- ha- hasn't had any type of rest so far this season. So it's um that was that was very strange to see. Again, now with with the Milan game in sight, I think we'll see perhaps a different formation. Um I wouldn't be surprised to see more of El Sharawi uh going into this game. So it, it's it all comes down to the, 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 this big game because it's really about you know it. A lot is at stake here. Um, you can really f- go up or you can fall to the sixth or seventh place. I I don't know anymore. Um, 
you know you can you can lose you can lose a valuable player by getting i don't know another yellow card you lose vr um it's it's and and a lot is at stake because you have to sort of change the narrative i'm glad that mancini yesterday in the post-game yes. conference yeah. mentioned it I, you know they, they, they they're pissed off they're pissed off at the record well i you know mancini has shown me that he he's probably the only player so far that he's really shown me that um those games and those losses or the lack of results better to say have have really pissed him off because he plays like he means what he says but the rest of the team really needs to now take this moment and um and really pay attention to what goes on in this game because leaving this Milan game without a result considering all the circumstances obviously we all have an injury crisis as much as Milan do you know I, you don't want to go into this game with Fazio Cristante and Mancini you'd at least hope to have Kumbula although Fonseca t- talked about Kumbula having perhaps uh, a minor role coming on as a substitute to me that wouldn't be enough you know i need to see some some dis- d- defensive stability and Fazio definitely does not provide me that no, but I find it interesting uh, only because he had that beautiful uh, ball over the top. 2021 is an interesting year already. We're only in February, yet here I am. I don't know if you're at this p- position yet. I find myself absolutely begging and hoping Brian Cristante is completely healthy for this match on Sunday. What a turn of events, and, and what a... I, I, here's the thing with Cristante. He is, he is a meme player. Okay, like it's easy to have a go at him, and I think, I think maybe he has, be- he has uh, the same number of own goals as as regular goals <laughs> or something like that. There, there has to be a stat. <laughs> it's just very weird, okay? Because you bring this guy here after he scores almost double digit goals at Atalanta. You bring him here to essentially play every single position on the pitch except goalkeeper. And at some points, maybe he would have been better than Paulo Lopez. I don't know. Although he's been doing very good lately, too. Uh, now, he's he's settling into this role in the middle of defense where I know a lot of people. I just mentioned the, the, the beautiful delivered ball he had over the top. I don't think people are paying enough attention to how well he is actually defending and marking. I know, again, he's a guy who does tend to be on the receiving end of quite a bit of stick and memes. There are some wonderful Brian Cristante-related memes out there. I have to give everybody credit who has um, created some of these things, especially the Simpsons ones. I I don't know what it is about that one, but it gets me every single time. (laughs) Guaranteed to laugh at it every time it comes across my timeline. But what an interesting turn of events and trajectory that this guy has had because when it comes to missing any of the four, Smalling, Kumbula, Ibanez, Mancini, Cristante is like the first name that I hope and plead for before I do the likes of Fazio. Now, Fazio did not do bad against Benevento, but it's just what a very... uh, it's very weird. I guess this is the only way I can put it because I'm out of words. I, I guess yeah. I don't know how else to describe it that this guy has gone from playing as a, you know, essentially a forward. Now he has settled in at the back in the heart of the defense. And we have to admit it, he is doing incredibly well. 
yeah, you know, besides the the, the the touch that then, you know, the clumsy touch that then leads to an on goal. Um, so far, he's done that only in situations where we are in a position not to lose that game. And, and um, he's done that against Bologna. He's done that yesterday. So, uh, but again, it's, you know, he's like, uh, it's at a point where he's become this jolly you know, in it- in Italy we say jolly. So Florenzi jolly, yeah. was a jolly, like you know, Florenzi, was, yeah, 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 like a you know, in English you say a Swiss Army knife, right? I mean, he's that kind of, he's that kind of person and player. But but um, yeah, it, it it comes from the willingness to to sort of adapt again, like uh, like El Sharawi, because El Sharawi is is very similar in that aspect. You, I mean, you tell him play. You know, play fullback, and and he'll play fullback, and play more defensively. He'll start to play more defensively. So, it's um, it, it's good to have these guys. And Cristante is, you know, he has the armband for a reason. So, uh, there is that, and and he he provides you with with, you know, good, believe it or not, good footwork when it comes to um, when it comes to distributing the ball from the back. Uh, you know, he. He, he can run up the pitch and launch it forward and usually that that give that, that puts us in a in a good situation and some passes i mean uh, even in the crotona game uh, i remember that he had these passes you know from one touch and that's it and he knew, knows how to and that's that's something that you you expect from somebody like pellegrini somebody that is that is always up there closer to to the opponent's goal and Cristante doesn't need that. Cristante is is willing to take on any role, um, and that's why probably we put him ahead of somebody like Fazio. And you know, objectively, Fazio would be even good for this Milan game because you're gonna be looking at Zlatan Ibrahimovic. Ibra, you, yeah. you want you want height. You you want strong physical presence. And Fazio is like a, a, someone like that. He he doesn't go over too easily, um, but at the same time. Man, if I, you know, if I, I, I just want to believe in this, in this young group of, of players, you know, at least at, at the back. So, to to have that young core, relatively young core, because Mancini, let's face it, he's 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 what twenty five. So, um, obviously, for for a defender that's that's still young, we're you know we're looking at <clears throat> still a, a, a team that has players that that do that are prepared to do all it takes to to have this team succeed and that's why I like Mancini because he's a player that really works on himself and knows when he makes mistakes and knows how to uh you know make up for those mistakes he's shown great willingness in that too and uh, Cristante I think people will always remember uh, until the day he retires, that he was the one player really in a in a very strange season with multiple downs, um, because that's what that's what that final season of uh, De Rossi was like. When he, you know, before leaving, he said, "If I have to choose to have eleven players, I'll choose eleven Cristantes." You know, because that I mean that when it came out, when that came out, he was. He was having a terrible season, and everybody was like, was. "What is he talking about? What, what, what's De Rossi talking about?" And I think we're starting to see that now. This is not never gonna be a guy that you're gonna go up and, on, on YouTube and, and look up the highlights. And, yeah, and no one know. is making a comp of 
Brian no. Cristante. <laughs> no, no nobody. Nobody. Because if, with a face like that, I mean, he looks like <laughs> the, the sweetest, most innocent person. <laughs> you know, I mean, he, he just... He it looks... does not surprise me that he is Canadian. I have yet to meet an impolite Canadian. <laughs> exactly. The nicest guy. Well, the, when those muggers, when those muggers, and he chased them. Remember that episode? I, that... In, yeah, until I see video, I refuse to believe it was him. <laughs> because... He always has, even during the match, during these t tense moments, he has this amicable, friendly look on his face. He is like my neighbor in the flat two over in Veneto. When it snows even two centimeters, it, it could snow barely anything. He still comes over out of the yes. kindness of his heart just because. That's Cristante reminds me of the guy right. who, when he is 62, he will shovel your driveway without being asked. And then when my wife and myself make him dinner and buy him a very nice bottle of Sangiovese, always reject it, say no, and I ultimately leave it on his doorstep. That's that's Cristante. He is the opposite of De Rossi. Yeah, he's he's the opposite of De Rossi. And that's what it was so fascinating about that because it came out at the time when this guy was the biggest meme of all. And he still has that quality. Again, he has that clumsy touch that can sometimes put you in a situation you don't want your, to, to find yourself in. Um, he can be overeager. You know, he can be a bit too aggressive um, and can cause some fouls. But at the same time, this is a guy who's done everything, you know, in this team. And, and it's, yes. it, I don't think it's, you know, he's had three coaches at Roma. He's had, Di Francesco, right. Ranieri, and Fonseca. And he was pivotal in the game plan of all those. For he all was three? always, yes. you know, with Fonseca, obviously he was moved from the midfielder role, um, but he's always been central to that. I mean, he, the, Fonseca has never had a doubt in his mind that Ibanez goes down, I can put Cristante on. Smalling goes down, I, I can put Cristante on and still... Uh, be quite certain that the team will will perform more or less on the same level. And and every single coach for the past what three to four years, because he's been here since 2017, um, have have shown great confidence in him. And there is a reason for that. Okay, I, I was actually somewhat being facetious and joking when I said he has played essentially every position except goalkeeper. That actually is the case. <laughs> That and striker, because I'm looking at his profile on transfer market, and yeah, wow, they've had him <laughs> central midfield, attacking midfield, defender. They've had him positioned as a fullback on a couple of occasions. Uh, wow, um, yeah, that is incredible. <laughs> and, and the thing that's weird too is uh, he is almost like silently effective. He does. The thing with him is he does nothing flashy. Yes. Like nothing exactly. at all. You know, Ibanez, he, he has the beautiful passes. Uh, Veretu, he makes those runs up and down the pitch. Yep. El Shadawi, the curlers from outside the box. Uh, Cristante is like wallpaper. It's boring. It's so <laughs> weird. I, I think I we, found, like, we found something that we truly have to like study. Um, carefully because it's it's really it, it, it it's how you say I mean this is not a guy that again stands out you don't watch a game and you're like oh wow who's that guy you know who's that player he's not that <laughs> I mean the first yeah. reaction right, is right. you know I mean quoting the great Matteo Renzi shock um, 
<laughs> Shocked because um, no, but you know because, because? Um, in all honesty, oh, this is just uh, the 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 op- opposite of flashiness, and he he moves around the pitch in a very clumsy manner. He has a clumsy touch, but then there are those moments where he is the perfect player to make the difference, and most of the time he's the player that makes the t- the team work when he's on a good day usually the team is on a good day too it is so true and wow is it what an interesting again turn of events that 2021 has thrown our way all right so milan what are you feeling have you has have you swayed your position from earlier in the week when you kind of had a good feeling about this well (laughs) <laughs> I, I I truly do not know yeah. how to feel because did, did you catch it all any of Milan yesterday in the Europa I, ca- I caught like a few minutes of it but uh the fact that yeah they not had to battle again. it not out good. till till the very end um yeah doesn't I mean they're not they're not in a position like they were say in October they're not in a in a, in a cruise control uh, situation where it doesn't matter who plays they all play at the same very high level. And when we talked about when when we opened the the season with our predictions and we mentioned the the inconsistency in in Pioli's m- managing career that this is exactly what we meant is that sometimes his teams just lose that consistency that they had. Like I remember that Fiorentina team uh, after after yeah, Astori's right. passing, they went on a on a run like i think like they went like eight games undefeated and that was that wasn't a particularly quality side but they looked invincible and then just as they had so much success for those eight nine games they just crashed and burned till the very end of the season i I mean that reminds me of his lazio I mean, remember, their highs were so high he had them rolling and then it's very weird how with Pioli, it doesn't seem as if it is a slow decline that it takes a year and a half for his team to sort of mm. subside. I, they just seem to crash. Yeah. And his track record is so long and speaks to this. It's the reason why he has never lasted very long at a big club. And part of me wants to believe that we're in the midst of this right. in the moment with nice. Milan. Yeah. Where they are, yeah, where they are regressing back down to the mean. I don't think anybody would argue against the fact that they have overachieved since the moment he stepped in. I I don't even think that's that controversial of an opinion. And frankly, when you look player for player, when you factor in, I, I know that with this being a Roma podcast, it's just going to sound like we're whining, but we have to discuss the penalties because... It, 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 the, the the difference between them and the next closest is so absurd that it, it, right to not mention it is almost and neglectful. one of the funny stats is is somebody brought it up in all the games that they didn't get a penalty in their favor they won they won exactly only two of them Ex- exactly exactly so that's where I was going with it because when you when you juxtapose the the penalties awarded to their record when uh, when they're not awarded these uh, let's be honest some of them have been gifts now a lot of them are deserved there there's no arguing against that but it is again uh, just by the 
by by the mere fact that the discrepancy between the first and second in terms of penalties awarded is so is so enormous that again it, it warrants discussion so uh, again I, it's tough for me to get a feel for this one because in all of these big matches i i am so tempted to just lazily you know sort of go back to all of the negative performances that Roma have had in all of the big games, particularly this season. The only difference, and you brought it up a little bit ago, the only difference that I see now, at least from a from an outside perspective, is it does seem like the team, the players, Fonseca himself, are more self-aware yeah, it's starting, it's starting about to the situation. Sink in. Yeah. Does that does that give you any more hope? I guess because before Fonseca was, I, I won't say dismissive of it, but he certainly did not make it as big of a deal as it is now. Because now he is directly addressing it. Before, what was his usual answer? It was every match is unique. Every or match is better yet. To wait us. for it. We haven't lost uh, a derby yet. <laughs> no, I, I knew you were going to say that. So. I guess I, I am hopeful in that respect that now they understand that they have really botched the situation when it comes to these head-to-heads. Because if you just look, we're not even talking about winning winning half of them, okay? I'm talking about winning just yeah. one of these big matches. It completely flips the trajectory as to how the table looks and your outlook on the Serie A table. I'm saying just one. Uh, if you had won one of the big matches against Lazio, Milan, Napoli, um, just one of them, and you add, you add it to the Roma's position at the table, it really does change things. So I'm not even arguing for Fonseca to you know, win two out of every four big matches, winning 50% of them. I'm just saying win a couple of them because... Here's the thing. At some point, this race, it, it still is incredibly tight now. Napoli look like they're falling off a bit. Milan, who knows where this is going. But I can't help but feel at some point, at least to a certain extent, these head-to-heads are going to matter. Whether or not that's in two two months, two weeks, whatever, we'll, we'll see when we get there. But we've talked about it previously with it now being the second half of the season, there's no other options when it comes to these big matches. You 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 don't have any other choices. You you have to win them. Yeah. Because now it gets to the point where, yeah, you may have dropped the points in the first half of the season, but now it is going to be it's going to hurt even double. Well, more than anything, I think that this this game in particular needs to be won just because um, you know there are a lot of circumstances that come into play. Milan are not in a good moment. Um, Napoli are definitely not in a good moment. No. Um, Juventus have lost a number of important pieces. I mean, if you if you look at their injury report every week, it, it seems like like a, like a restaurant menu. Um, the list is so extensive now. I mean, they and and they haven't shown great consistency. So there are factors that no. sort of have to motivate you to to perform at some point in these big games and i still maintain that if this roma team was winning consistently these big games then you know we'd be champions and and that's it 
the, the, the I mean, there is if this Roma team, I think they have like a, a record of above two point five points against the the lower bottom teams and like zero point five points against the top teams. If that, which means that if you started winning against these top sides, you'd really be a super team. Um, so what we're asking here is is to to sort of you know break the 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 the, the consistency of 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 these shitty results. So try to try to inject some enthusiasm into the team, into the fans, because it gets to a point where. You don't really know if if lack of a result in a derby or against you know Inter or Milan uh, it, it does does that affect you or it doesn't really because it's one thing to you know to to shake it off and to to win the next game I'd say say against Genoa or Fiorentina or whatever um, but you'd also be hoping for that team to really go into the next big game which is the one against Milan. And really be like, okay, we have to win this because the Juve game, again, was the last example of a a team that sort of played into the hands of the bigger opponent because they felt that the opponent was bigger. The opponent didn't really necessarily play better. Uh, Juve sat back and and then had a couple of of great moments from Ronaldo, who was the difference maker. But I, that was about it. But Roma were never truly sure of themselves. They never really thought that they could be dangerous, and that's a problem. I think that now with this Milan in a in a in a sort of uh, mediocre moment, living a mediocre moment, you have to take advantage of of that. You cannot go into this game once again thinking, "Oh, I'm the lesser side; they're on top, and and we're you know we, we're in a different dimension." No, that's that cannot be the mentality going going into a game like this. I completely agree. Uh, Beyond the tactics from Fonseca, the thing I am most curious of is the mentality, the attitude that Roma shows, especially early on in this match. So that is where we will leave it. We will keep our fingers crossed that things go well on Sunday against Milan. I will reiterate my stance that I absolutely despise these Sunday late evening matches because I just do not like being in the position of being the final big club to play of the giornata, the match day. But there's nothing we can do. So I will stop moaning. Everybody have a sensational weekend. Please stay safe and we will chat with you on Monday. So until then, ciao. Ciao. day is coming oh no but if you sign up for robin hood gold's ira with a three percent match you can get up to 195 dollars for the 2023 tax year oh yeah sign up at robinhood.com slash boost by tax day to get the biggest contribution match on the market subscription fees apply investing involves risk three percent match requires gold for one year from first match must keep ira for five years robin hood financial llc member sipc 
Without the ones like you, who work tirelessly to keep things running, everything would suddenly stop. Hospitals, factories, schools, and power plants, they all depend on you. No matter the weather, emergency, or time of day, you're the ones who get it done. At Granger, we're here for you. With professional-grade industrial supplies, count on real-time product availability and fast delivery. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. 